The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, happy 69th episode, buddy. Hi, friends, and a happy 69th episode to you all. This is a I can't believe we made it. it. It's really a monumental episode for us. Like most podcasts, I think they like to celebrate number 100 for us. It's a little bit different, uh, and to celebrate the podcast getting to 69 episodes we are joined by a very 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 special guest uh the mayor of fantasy baseball twitter the world's foremost wife guy absolute beefcake best dog dad in the world yancey eaton yancey welcome to the podcast yeah i genuinely despise being called the mayor of fantasy baseball it somebody said it one time and i don't know why it just it 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 made me cringe then and it still makes me cringe now um but that's okay um and that has yeah, nothing to do with why we call you that yeah true absolutely um just the idea of being like in public office and like having that type of like insatiable desire to have power and influence over the people that live in the same community as you i just find it absolutely disgusting um but anyways i'm happy to be here i'm happy to know that you guys think that i'm childish enough to be the like first choice for episode 69 um it's, <laughs> it was really nice of you guys i'm really happy to be here and i don't know what else to say but thank you for thinking of me we're always thinking about you, Yancy, to be completely Very presumptive. Fair. Very presumptive <laughs> to think you were our first choice. That's fair. <laughs> Harsh, but fair. <laughs> I will say, too, I, um, I, I, I can't remember which podcast it was that I was listening to you guys. I think it was one with Nick or you guys were on something. I can't remember what it was. Nick does do any podcast, but um, he literally asked what you guys are going to do for episode 69. And he's like, what are you guys going to do, like bring Yancy on or something? And at that point, we had already discussed me coming on for episode 69. So, yeah, that's a good time. He knows who we are deep down in our souls. Yeah. And me. Yeah. To say the least. We, th- we think we're chaotic, but really we're just so predictable. Yeah. So, so unbelievably yeah. predictable. Uh, Yancey. Can you give the folks who don't know who you are a little bit of like your credentials as far as like, obviously just like what kind of formats you play in fantasy baseball, things like that kind of how long you've been playing for all that different stuff. Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, I am famous for um, 
not really producing content. I don't write. I don't really podcast anymore. Sometimes I'll do a couple of podcasts a year. As far as leagues go, um, I do play NFBC pretty seriously. I was in a ton of leagues last year, um, had some good success. I have a little badge now next to my NFBC name in the lobbies. Um, but yeah, I, I take it really seriously. And, you know, I'm like the 99th percentile when it comes to spending hours and hours on Sunday doing fab. It's just something I really take seriously. I take in a lot of information and I try really, really hard. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm some authority that you guys should listen to me. It just means that it's coming from a place where, like, I do take it seriously. So that's basically it. Love it. How many leagues have you uh, gotten in so far this year? Um, I actually just started one today. Um, this is number four. Uh, most of them are just like little small 12 teamers. This one's actually a 15 teamer with uh, all the triple play fantasy guys. Um, so oh, nice. it's, yeah, it's, it's technically a private league. So it's 15 leagues, but it is fab. Um, and you can't really find those in the NPC lobby. Most of the, you know, the $50 ones that you're going to see are all 12 teamers, which is annoying. And it doesn't help you prep for bigger leagues that are all 15 teams. Um, so it's yeah. nice to get into something like this kind of as like a, a way to get your reps in with the 15 teamers because you guys know this. It's just a completely different animal jumping from a 12, you know, a 10 or a 12 teamer to a 15 team. It's a completely different game. Um, so it's really, really nice to kind of get my first one in this early in the season. Yeah, that is apparently the line where I stop doing well in leagues because I like I, I think the NFC is the the, the NFBC TGFBI league is the only one I do that's really 15 teams and I do abysmally in that league every year. Mm-hmm. whereas you finished 10th last year yes now, how does right. it feel to be better than everyone else uh there's nine people who absolutely dusted me last year so um yeah i mean ultimately it doesn't matter uh, absolutely nobody remembers who finished second last year in tgfbi nobody cares right if you don't win the entire overall like really what does it matter um i had a good year last year and i, I think i was in first overall for like six or seven weeks um, you know, at one point I had like three or 400 points over second place. And, you know, this is in like July or something. And I'm just like, I won, you know, like I did it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> stop the count. Yeah. Stop the count. Stop the steal. It's so easy to just, um, <laughs> whenever everything is going right, you think that, um, <laughs> you think that, uh, you know, you're just the best and you're, everything is working out. And then all it takes is just a couple of weeks of all of your bats going cold simultaneously and a couple of pitchers getting blown up. And then that lead, that little cushion that you had absolutely dissipates. So um, like the real key for me last year was trying to identify like, hey, is this a hot streak? Like, am I a god or is this actually, you know, like what's going on with my teams and do I still need to keep attacking certain weaknesses because eventually you're going to see a course correction and, and that ultimately did happen. Like the last two months of the season, I think my my teams collectively hit like 230 or something like that. And that was what it took to take me from first overall to 10th. Well, logically, like you went from 109th place two years ago to 10th place last year. So like if you continue that trend, that rocketing upwards trend, you'll, you'll finish in first this year. Um, it only yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's St- statistically but, you'll finish in first. I, I like where your head's at. Um, I'm not going to so, dispute so that. The, the way that I thought you logic that is that you just continued lopping another number off the end. <laughs> so from 109 to 10 and then you just lop off the zero and you're at one yeah that's so, it i mean there's so many ways nice. you can look at this in a positive light every way i look at this it's yancey finishing in first next year and i will be looking i will be looking up at you from whatever the last place is 427th or whatever i <laughs> i don't know what to jump in with without sounding like hellaciously mean uh like i feel like Do i'm it. very 
I'm going to expose like a side of myself that normally doesn't come out in podcasts, which is like, um, like you guys know this, like every Sunday when we would hang out and you guys are like tweaking fab or 10 minutes before fab locks, you guys just decide like, yeah, I'm not going to do fab this week. Like just that realization that like, oh, you know, like, I guess when it comes to fab, like they're just built different because I've been working on this for like eight hours. <laughs> I, I am built different. I'm built wrong, built incorrectly. <laughs> not up to factory specifications, dude. It's not even Which, close. Uh, a, a bit we're stealing from a YouTuber. I forget who it is. Oh, God. No clue who it is. Thanks to Sperry what? for that one showing us. Uh, it's usually Sperry that's showing us YouTubers. But, okay, Yancy, you did say that you had a surprise segment that you wanted to do with us yeah. at the top of the show. So This was like a stipulation. You, we, yes, you, this we had to grant you this. To do this. Yeah, so uh, basically I just wanted to make sure that um, I got to talk as much as I wanted, so I just blocked off 15 minutes. Um, you guys will learn this in the cool. corporate world. Like any time that you want for yourself, you have to go ahead and put it on the calendar, otherwise other people will take it. So um, yeah, I have two objectives for this little segment. Um, very pointless. It's actually not going to help anybody be a better fantasy player or anything like that. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we're saying 69 a lot for episode 69. Um, so all the children listening at home can keep going nice whenever we say the funny sex number. Um, that was my wife giggling <laughs> in the background. Um, and then also, I just really wanted to put both of you guys on the spot. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the first time I came on the podcast, <clears throat> I asked you guys, oh, no. like, hey, what are we going to do for, like, the show outline or whatever? And you're like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, just come on. It's cool. And I guess somewhere along the way, like, you guys did send an outline. And for whatever reason, I just, like, didn't get it. And so when we go to, like, press record, um, I'm basically, like, winging it. And I'm sure you guys are like, man, this, like, he didn't really, like, bring the heat tonight. Like, he didn't. He wasn't super prepared because I wasn't because I didn't think we had an outline. So anyways, <laughs> I am going to put you guys on the spot a bunch here. That was the longest ramp up ever. And like, I know we're already running super long. So we're going to do a really quick trivia, uh, trivia segment. Okay. And the theme is Ooh. 69. Okay. Uh, so really good one, at trivia. I am not. Yeah. No, you guys are actually both pretty good. We've done, we've done quite a few baseball trivia and you guys are very good at this. All right. So for the first one, I'm going to give you five names and I want you to just guess very quickly. What do all five of these players have in common? Um, so these are from last year. Think of last year's statistics, okay? We have Andres Jimenez, Max Muncy, Andrew McCutcheon, Eduardo Escobar, and Luke Voigt. What did all five of those players have in common? Contact rate against lefties. You guys are going way too deep on that. Way too deep, okay. Think a lot more standard mm -hmm. five by five. Uh, total runs scored last year. Good guess. RBI. All five of them had exactly 69 RBI. Okay. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. Good job. Nice. The, the standard five by five thing kind of gave it away. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Andre Simonez, you don't think of as a, you know, a power hitter. He's coming off a absolute career year. Max Munzee, kind of like a tale of two seasons. He was hurt. And then he came on in the end. His batting average was still really, really bad, but. You know, 69 runs is kind of disappointing when you consider the fact that, like, he was most of the time batting in the middle of the Dodgers lineup. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, I don't know what to think of him. I don't know if he's washed. I don't know what you guys think. Um, Eduardo Escobar, all these guys, they range from a 78 ADP with Andre Simenez all the way up to a 436 ADP with Luke Voigt. Um, so I want you guys to give me very quickly, I'm going to say the name again, and I want you to give me an over or an under for 69 RBI in 2023. Okay. Andre Simenez. Over, under. 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 Under, okay. Max Muncy, over, under. Over. Over. Over, okay. I agree. Andrew McCutcheon, over, under, 69. Under. Under as much as it pains me. 
is this just a you think that Pittsburgh is extremely extremely bad or that he gets worse on top of Pittsburgh being bad I mean I wouldn't say that they're bad I think they're just mid they're I I think it's more I I think it's more age-related decline plus injury possibility plus pirates being mid pirates being mid okay um you guys talking like true gen xers i or what is it the zoomers gen zers gen i Z, do yeah. not think andrew it's, mccutcheon will be lit it's fam. mid it's cap it's fam oh my god this is guys this is very cringed and not very based can we continue <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, uh we said uh, eduardo escobar how many over under 69 under under playing under. time related Okay, cool. I'm going to touch on that here in a second. And then Luke Voigt over under 69 RBIs. Is he signed over yet? for for the Savannah Bananas? He has signed. He is <laughs> he is playing for the Nationals. Did he? So, yeah. No. When did that yes. happen? Huh. Let's let's let's, let's double check okay. real quick. You guys are welcome to double check this, by the way. Um, How is that going to affect Joey Manessa's playing time? Um, good question. Let's, let's verify real? Let's, let's verify before we, we proceed. Cause otherwise, um, my next segment is going to suck. Can you guys double check out where he signed and if he's, I, I, I am <laughs> double, double checking as we speak. Uh, no, I've got him as a free agent still. He is still. Okay, cool. All right. So that would make sense uh, as to why he's being the, the 40th, uh, first baseman drafted overall in it and NFBC, uh, because he doesn't have a team yet. So that makes sense. Um, I, I do want to say this very quickly, though. Still 94th percentile in barrel percentage. Kind of interesting. He was hurt quite a bit. Do you guys have absolutely any interest if he does latch onto a team? Um, I mean, I will say he had a 174 batting average in only 69 at-bats against off-speed pitches. So we could potentially see something improving there. What do you guys think? Are we buying a bounce back? Like, we forget that, like, this dude led the league in, like, the short in 2020 season in home runs, right? Like, there is some sort of potential there for a bounce back, right? Yeah, I'm very quickly trying to see. Like, I'm trying to see if there's a team where he could sign where he would be immediately like really interesting. Like, I don't, like the first base jobs are like all taken already. Mm-hmm. Who's playing like, for the default? The Pirates. Carlos Santana and G Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're both like there. the the I'd default answer for well, like I like, wish he would sign there is like the Reds, but the Reds just got Will Myers to do the same thing. They signed like three first basemen, didn't they? The Pirates. Yeah, or I think of a different team. No, that's about right. Um, like the the Reds have Will Myers, the the Rockies have CJ Crone, and those are like the immediate destinations that jump to mind for like, oh, this mm-hmm. is going to be fun. Yeah. God, the Marlins. They have Garrett Cooper. Yeah, but yeah, like Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt, like is an uh, intriguing the minute he signs pretty much anywhere. But then you have to like parse like how much playing time is he really going to get wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I wanted to. I kept circling back to Andre Simonis too. By the way, um, he just kind of stood out to me again. the The overarching theme here was they all had sixty nine RBI, but then I was kind of like digging into them. I know that this is in the deep, and Andre Simonis's ADP right now is like seventy eight overall, and. Looking at all of his expected stats, which everybody likes to do, and they go on his stack S page and they see a bunch of blue or red, and then they instantly make a decision based on what color gradient they see on a stack S page. Are you guys buying into the whole Andre Simonez experience? Because I personally think he's being drafted like 50 picks too soon. I think his value is inflated. I, I think that we both have a soft spot for Andre Simonez because he's someone that we talked about in like the early, like the aughts of this podcast. 
-hmm. He was like one of the first people we really dove into and kind of liked. Right, because he had a monster second half for the Mets right before they traded him for Francisco yep. Lindor. And I fell in love with him when he was a Met because he was really fun to watch and he got a ton of stolen bases, helped my fantasy teams. And then he completely cratered next year. And then we were kind of out on him. And then he exploded, you know, this past year. So, uh, yeah, I was a big fan previously. And I, I don't think he's this good of a hitter, but I do think he will continue to be a very good fantasy asset. He's, he's shown before, like in the minor leagues, in the major leagues, the propensity to go on a bit of a power tear, even for a, a relatively slight dude. Uh, he's shown the willingness to pull the ball and, you know, yank home runs. He has, and we all know that he's got that stolen base potential and he's got good enough bat to ball skills where the batting average floor should be there. I, I love Andres Jimenez as a fantasy asset. I do think we're a little too high on him, like, you know, ADP wise as, as a fantasy community right now. Mm -hmm. But that that's also because he's a second baseman. There's only so largely, many. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so many good second basemen. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. In every single NFBC league I had last year, I didn't have him in a single one. And it kind of snuck up on me about how good he was. And for me to see him mm -hmm. in some of these drafts going literally in like almost the top 75 overall, like this is a dude that was being taken like post 350 in some leagues last year. Like it just completely, he was such an afterthought for me. And like I said, completely blanked on owning him in every single league. Um, just kind of hard to, to imagine. Um, all right, let's 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 speed this along a little bit, just because I don't know how to run a segment. Um, so, Shrebsy, you're the <laughs> you're the uh, the resident Mets homer, right? Um, how many plate appearances do you project uh, Eduardo Escobar for to um, for 2023? Uh, for reference, Fangraph step charts does have him projected for exactly 469 plate appearances. So, are you taking the over, the under, or do you peg him at exactly 469? Under. You're taking uh, the under. I. I'm taking the under. I do think he will get, I, I want to say 400 is probably a safer number. Like mm -hmm. closer to 500 is, is getting iffy because I do think that before the end of the year, Brett Beatty will wind up taking over that third base job at, at the very least as the strong side of a platoon. And that will leave Eduardo Escobar as, you know, a sometimes third baseman, sometimes DH, may, maybe spelling McNeil at second base sometimes. Uh, and you know that's going to leave him with a, a utility guys sec, uh, utility guys plate appearance, but the Mets have other like utility guys. You know he's not going to get all of them because they still have Luis Guillorme. You know they're they're it's not like he's going to have you know the first dibs on every backup plate appearance. So yeah, I am not in love with Eduardo Escobar from a fantasy perspective this year, mainly because of playing time. Cool, Jordan. Do you mostly concur? Or do you have a, a differing opinion? I I mostly concur with that, honestly. Okay. I think uh, whenever Brett Beatty eventually debuts, that's going to cut a lot of playing time out of what Escobar has uh, from that piece from the piece of that pie. Um, so I'm not super in on him. I don't. What is his ADP right now? His ADP is three sixty three. Uh, for the ADP list that I'm using, I'm using NFBC uh, for all fifteen teamers drafted from January fifteenth until today. So it gives us a sample of exactly 99 leagues, which I like, and it's super recent. So um, you'll see, you know, 
obviously, if you looked at just a standard um, ADP, whenever you go into the NFC lobby, you're looking at gladiator drafts. You're looking at a lot of draft and hold stuff. So this kind of like narrows it down just a little bit. So it's a little bit more applicable for people who aren't playing gladiator leagues that aren't even drafting anymore. Um, okay, so Max Muncy. Um, by the way, did you guys know that Max Muncy was actually drafted 169th overall back in 2012 out of Baylor University? Nice. Yeah, that's true. Nice. That is nice. Um, not only did he hit 69 RBI last year, he also scored 69 runs, which is... He did. I did know that. That is very, very nice. Yeah, duly nice. Um, so uh, an interesting thing about him, he also saw uh, 696 four-seamers in 2022. And uh, he only hit 200 versus them. But he did have an expected batting average of 240. So I don't know about you guys, but I personally do not know what to do with Max Muncy. I believe he's still first and second eligible. Um, last year, he was like first, second, and third. And I still didn't want to touch him. And he literally looked like one of the worst players in the league for the first half of the season. And then he just completely pulled, like, poured it on the second half. Are you guys buying back into Max Muncy? Or is that mostly a stay away for you guys, Jordan? I'm back in on Muncy. I think that the shift being eliminated helps him a decent amount. He's shifted on pretty heavily last year. Um, also, he is second and third base eligible. That's what it is. Which okay. is another reason why I like him quite a bit because you can slot him in. You have four different spots that you can slot him in on five if you count the util slot uh, yeah. on your roster. So like just like that positional versatility is super invaluable, especially in like 15 teamers. So I'm in on him because I think that the counting stats are going to be there whether the averages are not. And I think there is going to be a tick up in that average this year because of the elimination of the shift. So I, I like him. Uh, where he's been going lately. Yeah. Uh, Shrubzy, what about you? I I question what the playing time is going to look like. I know he's going to play a lot, and if he's healthy, they're going to have him out there. But this whole Miguel Vargas thing kind of like threw me for a wrench. Like, I did not expect them to announce that, like, oh, yeah, they're going to try to get Miguel Vargas, like, some serious run. And I guess Muncy plays third because he has no defensive range. What do you think? I mean, position-wise, like, I, I think he's going to get all the playing time he deserves, which is going to be all of it. I, I feel like we've kind of forgotten, and when I say we, I mean like everybody, because I never hear anyone mention this. He was hurt. Like yes. he was like significant. He was significantly hurt. I'm blanking on what the injury was, but I do know he came into this past year with a significant injury, and it's not weird that he started off slowly, and then once he kind of shook it off, he was his old self. I don't see any reason for him not to be the Max Muncy we know and love from like, you know, 2019 to 2021 or whatever. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very in on this and I love him as a second slash third base target. And I'm not getting him in any leagues because I'm not reaching far enough. And other people are because I, I think a, a lot of people are, are you know, a, aware of the likely bounce back here. Yeah, I, I should recall what his injury was because it was against the Brewers that he got hurt. He was playing first base, and a ball got thrown into the, into the... Yeah, mm. yep. he, he got ran into by, I think it was Jace Peterson. It was someone from the Brewers, because they, they were playing the Brewers, so I was watching the game. Um, but I think Jace Peterson ran into his uh, non-throwing arm when he was extending his glove out to try to catch a ball at first base. Right, um, and it was like a little... Like, they were kind of cagey about what it actually was. Like, there was speculation, yeah. I think, that it was like a torn UCL. I, I, I remember now. Um, yeah. But Officially, yeah. I, on MLB.com, it said left el elbow inflammation, 10-day uh, IL, but he was out for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I have no concerns there. I think he's going to be back. Yeah, I, um, I was actually talking with uh, my, my buddy Sammy Reed that I... I mentioned quite a bit every time on a podcast. 
And we were kind of talking about recency bias and how um, in fantasy, like they always tell you like, oh, recency bias is bad. Like don't, don't overweight recency bias. And I think that's mostly true. However, I weigh recency bias when it comes to injuries quite a bit. Um, like mm-hmm. if you were healthy three years ago, I don't care. But if you were healthy last year, I actually care quite a bit, right? If you were hurt last year, I'm going to weigh that very, very heavily versus you being healthy for, you know, three straight years that you're hurt last year. Like that mm-hmm. stuff kind of matters to me. I think the way that he finished matters quite a bit. And I don't know, it may be one of those things where like he's just an absolute steal and he's like a consensus, you know, top 75 player by the end of the year. We will see. Um, lastly, guys, Andrew McCutcheon, we already kind of touched on him a little bit going over to Pittsburgh. It's kind of like cool for like the nostalgia feels and like seeing him, you know, playing for the Bucks again. It's like really cool, right? Um, interestingly enough about uh, Andrew McCutcheon, career OBP, do you guys care to take a guess? One base percentage? Just spout something out real quick. Don't look it up. 369. 369. 369. Damn, she's fine. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely right. Do you guys care to guess his career slugging percentage? 469. It is 469. I'm really, <laughs> I'm actually Love really Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> you guys are good at this game. You're really good at this game. Um, it. Yeah. Last year, his, uh, his zone swing percentage, which is, I know a stat that you guys like to spout out every once in a while was 65.4%, um, which would have been really, really cool if it was the league average of 66.9%. That would have been really nice. Um, but well, anyways, if you have the five and the four on the end together, then it makes 69. I really like where your head is at. Um, yeah. Uh, his ADP. Is 353. I do think he's going to play a lot. He has been mostly healthy, right? I think they kind of like manage his workload a little bit. Do we have yeah. any interest here? I don't see any upside, really. I think this is more of like a you kind of know what you're going to get. He's a roster filler, you know, outfield drops off precipitously after like pick 220 or so. Are you guys taking stabs at him or are you just kind of mostly staying away? I, I think he's I mean, going to be worth drafting. I just think you need to have a backup plan there or, you know, mm-hmm. be, be ready to hit the waiver wire at some point because I just do not expect him to be healthy for the whole year. I think he's a perfectly cromulent hitter still, even at, at the age of what he's 36 now. I just, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't think you get 650 quality plate appearances from him. You're going to you're going to need to fill that spot at some point with someone else. Yeah. Jordan. I mean he still will nab you like a handful of stolen bases over the course of the season. But like with the way that you set lineups on NFBC, are you going to get all those? Probably not. Um, But like double digit homers and like 120, 130 runs plus RBIs isn't anything to sneeze at. And he's going what, like almost at 400 right now. That's not bad for like a set sixth outfielder, something like that. Yep. I don't know if I would start him, obviously, but I think like for like a sixth, seventh outfielder, if he's going to be getting a decent amount of run, then I would be fine with that where he's at. I think the price is totally fine for what he is. Yeah, there's yep, something to be said for just hitting in a good spot in the lineup every day, like no matter what team you're on. I, I mentioned on a recent episode of something, I don't even remember if it was this podcast or one I did a guest spot on, that Bobby Witt was like 15th in the league in runners on base when he came to the plate. And, you know, the Royals are, you know, famously not a, not a particularly good offense. So you can have plenty of RBI opportunities, even on a team like the Pirates. He's still got some, you know, relatively good hitters in front of him, potentially in Carlos Santana, uh, Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz, Chimon Choi against, you know, opposite hand hitters, uh, Brian Hayes, if he ever figures it out. You know, he could, could have plenty of RBI opportunities there and pile them up just by nature of where he's hitting in the lineup. 
right now looking at roster resource, it's got O'Neill Cruz leading off, then Brian Reynolds, Cabrian Hayes, G-Man Choi, and then hitting fifth is McCutcheon, followed by Carlos Santana. Of course, I, I, I personally, I, I do not see Brian Reynolds being long for that roster. I would be surprised no. if no. if they make it to the All-Star break and he's still on that team. But it's, it's amazing that he's still there right now. It is like, I don't know how he's not a Dodger or something. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're really going to yeah. mess around with like David Peralta and stuff. Like, I don't know. The Dodgers kind of confuse me. I think everybody says this and I'm, I'm not saying anything new here, but like they're, they're just kind of like waiting it out for like the Otani sweepstakes. Like they're not over committing anything. They're doing little small one year deals and stuff. It's kind of strange seeing them like the state of their outfield yeah. and stuff right now. But um, okay. Very quickly. What do these three players have in common guys? Uh, Trey Turner, Andre Simonez again, and Ian Happ. Ooh. What do those three have in common? Not standard five by five. Um, so you gotta you gotta dig a little bit deeper here. But there is one statistical category which all three of them share. Who are the three players again? It's gonna be Trey Turner, Andres Jimenez, and Ian Happ. 369 OBP. That would be cool, but no. Jordan? Yeah. I know you said it's not five by five. But oh no, it wouldn't be that. Never mind. No, I, I had a guess, but it's it's stupid. It's not a good guess. Um, I'm gonna say a six point nine percent walk rate for each of them. Also, no, but great guess. I think uh, they all had identical ISOs. So um, for those at home, ISO oh. is what slugging minus their batting average, right? It accounts for extra base hits. So they all had exactly the yep. same. I don't know about you guys, but that kind of surprised me. Andre Simonis having the same as Ian Happ. We think of Ian Happ as like this, oh, you know, he actually kind of has like some really nice power, but doesn't quite get there. Trey Turner is more of like mm -hmm. a, you know, he hits 17 to 20 something home runs a year kind of thing. See that group paired together, I thought was interesting. Um, so they're all tied, 169. They are 65th overall amongst all qualified hitters in ISO. Again, for some reason, that was really surprising to me, the three of them being bucketed together. Um, another quick question. Who has an ADP of 269th amongst all pitchers? I will give you a hint, okay? This is an AL East reliever. He struck out exactly 60 batters and 73.2 innings pitched. He had a sub-one whip. He accrued four wins and five saves in 2022. And his last name is a nickname for a home run. Who is the pitcher going 269th according to NFBC ADP? I'll give it to you one more time. Sub one whip, four wins, and five saves. He is a favorite to inherit the closer role. And the person that is in front of him for that role right now is kind of like everybody's boyfriend this year when it comes to the closer role. So who is the pitcher? 269th pitcher off the board. You said AL East? AL East, and his last name is shorthand. It is a nickname for a home run. I spent so much time on this question. I'll never get it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's not so okay. You said the assumed closer. The, uh, who's going to inherit yeah, I'll, the role? I'll give you my source. Okay, if you look on RotoWire's closer grid, this pitcher is next in line behind another player who last year ascended and now is being taken as you know one of the top closers. You're talking about who's behind Batista in, in Baltimore? You're right there. And again, his who last the, name who's is in that short. Oh, oh, Tate. Dylan Tate. Good job, Dylan Shrugby. Tate. 
It took you guys eight hints, Damn. but we did get there. We got a trivia question. We got there eventually. <laughs> okay. So I, don't, I don't think of I don't think of him as incumbent, you know? I feel yeah. like in my head, Bautista's kind of got it locked down. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, anything can happen, right? He could take a line drive off the off the head or something, and somebody's gonna be pitching next, right? Um, okay, which hitter is currently being drafted 369th overall according to NFBC drafts? Uh, the hint is he is only shortstop eligible. He plays in the American League, and he has exactly zero plate appearances in the majors. So he plays in the American League. He's a oh shortstop. <laughs> he has not debuted yet, but he is being taken 369th overall, which suggests that a lot of players think that he is going to get playing time this year. 369th. Yeah. Did you say, did you give a division again? Uh, I will say he's in the AL East again. Shortstop. Oh, is, uh, Volpe from Volpe. Uh, it's got it's got to be Volpe. Yeah. Good job, guys. Good job. Um, I again, this is uh, he's 369th. So you guys are, you know, I'm just trying to stick to the theme here. But this is a deep league player, right? This is a little bit more of the cut of you guys' jib. Are you yes. guys interested? I as a, as a non-prospect person, I am mostly not interested in these types of profiles. I do not know how much he's going to play. Basically, every projection system seems to suggest that he's not going to play much at all. And yet, here are people taking him within the top 400 like they're expecting him to contribute to their team. So like what are you guys' thoughts? Uh no. <laughs> my my thought. <laughs> no, no, I I mean <laughs> it feels not not only not only do the Yankees have uh, like an incumbent veteran, they also have two young guys, you know, ahead of Volpe and like you know the age hierarchy, like who were closer to the majors recently, and now they're mm-hmm. they're playing. They they've got Peraza and uh, Cabrera, yeah, mm-hmm. who they've turned into like more utility guys. But like you know, if if Kiner Falefa is terrible uh, again as he is wont to do, then wouldn't you know Cabrera get the next shot or per- Peraza? Jordan? I'm mostly just like, I mean, this feels like a very, because at, at that point in the draft, it feels like a very like low risk, potentially high reward thing to do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like a lot of those guys that you're going to be picking in, at that point in the draft are going to be folks that you're, there's going to be folks in that range that you're going to be cycling out of your roster anyways and picking up people in, during fab and stuff like that because people are going to pop up inevitably. But I, I don't think I would do it personally. Yeah, yeah not my uh, style. There's there's the potential that you say like the thought process I assume for the po- folks that are taking Anthony Volpe is that they're going to be saving the money on Fab yep. that they wouldn't be spending later by making this pick and like stashing him on the bench which I totally get I don't know if it's necessarily what I would do though yeah I agree um, would it change you guys' mind at all if I told you that like an Ian Happ or a Trey Turner he slugged one sixty nine or his ISO was 169 in AAA. Does that move the needle for you guys at all? That his ISO was 169? No? Okay. I, I admire how he's stuck in a to way. this bit so much. <laughs> yeah, these, we have to go fast. So like, we're literally like halfway through the podcast and like I'm not even done. Okay, uh, this, buzzy, this buzzy, trendy National League outfielder finished 2022 as the 169th ranked hitter according to Rasball's player rater, despite the fact that he only played in 108 games. The strikeout percentage was 20.5%, and he walked 14.7% of the time. Who is this outfielder? Uh, Newt. It is the Newt. 
Good job. <laughs> we killed I, that I, I, I knew the answer and I waited for Schwebzy to say it because I know Thank that you. he would want to get that question right specifically. And really, really I appreciate really you good. for that. Thank you. Okay, last question. Uh, with an overall NFBC ADP, again, this is from January 15th until today, February 10th. This is through just 15 teamers. It's a 99 league sample. His ADP overall is 469th. He has a hard hit percentage of 69.2 against four seamers in 2022. This is a 24-year-old outfielder who is looking to jumpstart his career after an off-season trade that saw him moving across leagues. So he went from one league to the other. Are you following, Shrubsy? He got traded, okay? He got traded from the team that originally (laughs) drafted him back in 2016 to a perennial bottom dweller that won one fewer game than 69 games in 2022. So he got traded to a team <laughs> and the mental <laughs> gymnastics they went. <laughs> he got traded to a team that won one less than 69 uh, into the, in 2022. So who is this player? This was a former top 100 prospect. The shine is off of him. Um, you know, he's really trying to rejuvenate his career and he was basically traded for uh it was like a 40 uh, man roster consideration type deal can you guys name who the player is 469th overall oh god um he he went from which league to which league give me that he he went from the american league to the national league i was thinking cj abrams but he's being drafted higher and his hard hit rates are not there Okay, Jordan, do you have a guess? I, I, no, I don't. <laughs> it is Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones is going Ooh, to be that's, playing that's for good. Colorado. Ooh, what a deep cut. Yeah. I, I want to be in. I'm, I'm intrigued. We, we jump on every single player that has a pulse there and we just wait for them. Why not this one, right? Like they, they, Gave something up for him. I don't know. I'm just saying, let's consider it. 469th, that's the type of stab that I want to play. What if he happens to fall into everyday playing time, playing in Colorado? It's well-established. Like, you know, he, he could do something there. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, so I have more, but we're going to cut those off because uh, the podcast is almost over and we have touched none of the outline. So, guys, thank you for playing. Um, <laughs> for everybody, <laughs> I don't know if there's a real winner. Um, in fact, we're all losers, but guys, thanks for, thanks for um, letting me do this. It feels so good to lose with you. Yeah. It feels so, I so feel good. I feel like a winner. That was fantastic. Like, a winner. like you were, you were the only person we would allow to do something like that on this podcast. I think. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys. N- norm- so normally beautiful. we only let each other take three times too long to do something. Yeah. Um, next time I'll rein it in a little bit and I'll just tell you guys to like stop <laughs> talking and, and we'll just move on to the next question. Okay. But yeah, outlines, right? We, we do have an outline outlines, let's power yeah. through this. Uh, so let's go through this. Uh, but first, let's take a quick ad break. All right, and we are back. So getting to our actual, God, I'm just still so happy. I'm so, so happy about that, that segment. Thank you for doing that, Yancey. God, uh, incredible. Uh, so Post 250, guys, we talked about, about a lot of deep folks already. Um, we decided to break this down with Yancey going Post 250. We're going by four different categories. We're going to pick some folks that we like Post 250 for four categories. That's home runs, stolen bases, strikeouts, and then ERA. Uh, Yancey, since you are the guest, we're going to start it off with you so you get first dibs on this one. Let's start with home runs. Who's a power bat that you like Post 250 this year? 
Okay. I can be super quick with these just because my segment ran so long. Um, the first one I'm buying into, Jorge Soler, is ADP. Um, again, same threshold. Um, looking at all drafts, non-auction from January 15th until now, 99 draft sample. Jorge Soler is going at 280. I understand that he has been absolutely awful the last couple of years. He's had just myriad injuries, mostly with a hip. He did, I think, have two surgeries last year. And there's nothing statistical that I'm pointing to that is suggesting that he is going to return to form. This is just one of those examples of I'm betting on the fact that maybe he is healthy. And if he is, I think that his type of power plays in any stadium. I don't care that he's playing for Miami. I expect that offense to be um, just getting on base at a higher clip than they were last year. I expect bounce backs from multiple players. I think that there's a really good chance that he can hit 25 home runs and where he's going. If he doesn't hit that, that threshold, I'm okay with it. So, or Hey, is my first one. Do I give a second one? Or do you guys want to go? No, you can take your second one. I'm going to, I might, I might bounce off you. Cause I know this is one that we both like, but you okay. can do your second one as well. Um, I will do Adam Duvall. Um, his ADP is quickly climbing since he signed with the Boston Red Sox. I think that profile is just going to play there in a very, very good way. I don't think that Boston is very good. And I think Boston fans will even say that their offense isn't very good. Um, I think they do actually take quite a big step back. However, um, his ADP is still 388, but there is a weird chasm. Um, like there's people who've taken him as high as 236 and there's, you know, leagues that he has fallen all the way to 561st. Obviously some of those cutoffs, depending on whenever the move was announced, he may or may not have been taken before or after then. But I just think he's going to be a safe power play and he is actually a good defender, um, which you wouldn't expect. And I'm just bouncing. I'm just basically anticipating the fact that that ballpark is going to be conducive to his skill set. Um, it is not sexy. His batting average is not going to be good. But yeah, Adam Duvall, why not, right? Yeah, I love that. At that point in the draft, you're always going to find folks with it's. It's kind of like the ding and dentile mm. at the grocery store. All the cans are going to have dents in them, stuff like that. You get them at a discount, but like intentionally denting the cans. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Everyone has seen the movie Big Daddy before. Mm. Anyways, that's a very specific reference. I'm so sorry. But uh, no, I like Adam Duvall. I had Duvall. Duvall helped me almost take down a championship a couple of years because he had, what, 34 home runs, 36 home runs and like 113 RBIs or something like that uh, for the Braves in. Was that 2021? No, that was. Was that 2021 that he did that? Yeah, I believe he led the league in RBI. Yeah. Yeah. It's really only been it's only been a year. 38 yeah. home runs and 113 RBI. That's crazy, man. Wow. Um, and I had him on my team. See, anyone can get fantastic. a lot of RBI. Yes. Uh, but like, I think that going to Boston is a great fit for him. Uh, obviously, they needed some center field defense. He's going to play great out there. And I don't think Jaron Duran is necessarily going to challenge him for playing time because that's like the only other person I can think of in that system who can maybe take playing time from him. Right. Yep. yep. So Durant, it was shocking when Duran came up and was really bad at baseball because he was so hyped for a little while there and there was like nothing he yeah. did well when he came up. Yep. 100 percent Uh okay, Schwebzy, who are some power bats that you like? There's actually a, a there are actually a lot of names that I like in this range, like uh, a Kelnick bounce back, which is wild that he needs to bounce back at age like twenty-three. Uh Isak Paredes, uh, which I think the only question there is playing time. I, I like Max Kepler with the shift being gone. But the guys that I want to focus on are Brandon Belt, 
who uh, I, I was doing my ADP from the beginning of January, just uh, draft champions. He was at 379. And Belt is a, a notable in the deep favorite we, who we love dearly, no matter the situation. But uh, lo and behold, he's in a new situation that makes me love him even more. Now he's in Toronto. And the Blue Jays have uh, they've changed the dimensions of their ballpark to make it more homer-friendly, which is wild because it was already a homer-friendly ballpark. I, I looked for a, a tweet that I saw and I could not find it. Someone uh, was pointing out that based on the new dimensions that it might now be the most homer-friendly ballpark in baseball. And I, I wish I could source that so that I could uh, look into it a little bit more, but I can, could not find it again. But uh, yeah, he's a notable power guy. It didn't always show due to the ballpark that he played in. And he's coming after a year of uh, you know underwhelming power numbers based on his barrel rate because of that ballpark, uh, which actually you can see those numbers on a, a bloom board that was recently posted by uh, Ryan Bloomfield. I, that's, that's, I, I'm not getting that last name wrong, right? That is his name. Is yes. right? yep. Cool. Great. Terrible with names. <laughs> uh, and uh, the second guy that I wanted to mention. Uh, what if his name were Bloomboard? That'd be funny. Sorry. Go ahead. There's <laughs> a Bloomfield by Ryan Bloomboard. Yes. Uh, I just want to use this opportunity to plug uh, PLV, which I, I, I'm contractually obligated to do, or Nick will fire me. Uh, we're introducing some new hitting stats as well as PLV, which is mainly a pitching statistic. Uh, and we're currently co coining it power rating for now uh, until we come up with something better. And it takes a batter's result on each batted ball and assigns them a score based on the expected outcomes compared to what the batter actually did. So. You know, if a batter hits a dinger on a difficult to hit pitch, that's really great for his power rating. And, uh, you know, once we have a power rating, we assign the, the hitter a grade based on the uh, 20 to 80 scouting scale. So that's uh, all a long winded way of saying that Nolan Gorman can really hit the heck out of a baseball. Nolan Gorman is currently being drafted at 386. And he's currently listed as the backup infielder for the Cardinals. But I, I'm very much hoping that he can snag some playing time as like the strong side DH uh, over Juan Yepes or get some playing time at second base over OBP King and Yancey favorite uh, Brendan Donovan. Nice. But uh, that metric that we have, that power metric, we give it the, a 20 to 80 score. And there are six hitters that score an 80 and then only four that get a 75. And Nolan Gorman is one of those four. Like he's in. Like as far as that power metric is concerned, he's in the same class of power hitters as Joey Gallo, Byron Buxton, Shohei Otani. Like he really smokes the ball. And the 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 caveat here is that the metric is based on batted ball events, which means he has to make contact first. And you know that that's his main issue. He strikes out thirty two percent of the time. But for a big time power hitter in you know the year twenty twenty three, that's not something that's going to you know deny him productivity he can still be a productive hitter with that strikeout rate so if you're late in your draft and you're looking for a power boost i love taking a swing at nolan gorman i will say i actually love that that type of player where it's like he got called up in the middle of the season last year i can't remember exactly when he got called up but there was like a frenzy around him um, but there was also some other bigger names that were also called up around that time too so he was a big target and people threw a lot of fab at him, but he wasn't like the most expensive like target, right? 
and he didn't really perform. He didn't really meet those expectations. And now he's just kind of being forgotten about where, you know, hearkening back to recency bias, like I mentioned, had he not been called up and they announced that he was going to break camp and he has a great spring and, you know, he's going to be in the majors, like his ADP would just absolutely skyrocket. So it's like, we're, we're going to overweight what we've seen recently from him. And we're going to completely forget the fact that like this dude does have the same, you know, upper tier top shelf power potential as like a Buxton or an Otani or a Joey Gallo. Like these are the types of players that I'm, I'm looking to reinvest in. Like once the shine is off of them and they're going at a spot where it does not matter if they don't do anything, you're just banking value in your team. If they do hit, I love it. Yeah. I dig the, I dig the Gorman call out a lot. Um, Shabazi, are there any other power hitters that you want to cover? What, did, did I not talk enough? I mean, I'm always going to give you the opportunity. To do are are no, we I not actually, going long enough? We we are going so long. No, so I actually thought of someone, and I had to check where his ADP was while you were talking, and it was mostly just because Yancey talked about Jorge Soler, and I was like, there's someone else on the Marlins that I actually want to look at, and that's Avisio Garcia. Hmm. I like uh, Garcia is going 374, like right next to Adam Duvall right now. It's like right, one right after the other in terms of ADP. And we're just two years removed from Avisio Garcia having a 29 home run season. Obviously, he went to a worse ballpark and that you can attribute a lot of it to that. But the thing, biggest thing that I think bothered him is that he had multiple hamstring injuries last year that like he only had 350 plate appearances, basically. Or sorry, at bats, I should say. Um, around 400 plate appearances. but. Um, I feel like there's a lot more production there for Garcia if he can stay healthy. And that's like another thing is we're with him at pick, what is it? 374 is what the ADP is. I think I'm pretty okay taking a shot on someone with potentially like nearly 30 home run power uh, that late in a draft. So I actually kind of like Avisio Garcia a bit as well. And he won't um, be, the other one that I was going to say is he won't be a oh, zero yeah. with, with speed either. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's also a really, really good point. Because how many, uh, he had what? He had eight stolen bases uh, for the Brewers in 2021 and then four last year. And that includes, like, obviously being hampered by hamstring injuries. So, like, just a handful is fine. Uh, we'll take that whenever we can get it. Um, the other person I was going to talk about, too, was Jesse Winker. Uh, it's not, like, a ton of power necessarily. And this is actually someone that I'm interested in drafting, but only if he falls a little bit more. His ADP is 255. Um, but in terms of power, like the numbers, I mean, all projections have him right around like 16, 17 home runs, which isn't that impressive by any means. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he has the opportunity to outperform his projections being in Miller Park. Uh, I think he struggled going from Great American Ballpark to T-Mobile, which is probably a, like aside from like being at home in Coors all the time and then going to another like pitcher friendly park. Like that's that's a pretty stark contrast in terms of the environment for a hitter. So I think I really, really like that for Winker and think that he could do uh, good things in Milwaukee. I think he could very easily be a 20 plus home run bat for the Brewers this year. So I also like him a lot. All right. Is there any other power hitters that y'all want to cover? Okay. Um, I did want to shout out very quickly, just Jesus Aguilar. I think that he is not good. And I think the Oakland athletics are very bad, but I think he's going to play a lot and stumble into 20 home run power. All right. So let's move to stolen bases. Then Yancey kick off the stolen base section for us here. Yeah, very quickly. Stolen bases. I like Nick Gordon a lot. You're going to hear his name being mentioned quite a bit. I think he offers a balanced profile. He is second base and outfield eligible. They moved Luis Arise. I think he plays a ton. 
I think he's the perfect type of player where he's going to have a very good spring and you're going to see him absolutely flying. Like he has like the potential to be like that super, super ADP riser right before the season starts. So I mm-hmm. like him a lot. And then also Elvis Andrews, I think he's still a free agent. You guys have to verify that. I thought Luke Voigt was still signed to a team. Um, but Elvis Andrews just went on like this crazy tear, like the last month and a half of the season and ended up stealing like 18 something bases which is just bizarre, but why can't he do that again? You know, if he signs with like a a Boston or whomever, I think that that's just a really, really cheap way to potentially get 15 stolen bases. And, you know, he costs very, very little as far as draft capital goes. So those are my two picks. Who are you guys? I've only got one, uh, and it is Jose Siri. Ooh. I... For some reason, the pro- like so we had a question, uh, a mailbag question recently, asking us if we believed in the projections for Jose Siri, and I came away thinking, yes, I believe in these, but also they are low on the stolen bases because basically every every chance he gets since he started playing in the majors this year, he just runs. He, he's and we're kind of expecting a league wide trend where stolen bases continue to rise, or at least you know for for fantasy purposes, we're kind of hoping that. Uh, I, he's not the best hitter. He swings and misses way too much. He doesn't have great plate discipline, but he is a fantastic base runner. Like his rate of like plate appearances to run scored. Like if he got a full season, he'd be clearing a hundred easy. And he like, he's being projected for roughly 500 plate appearances and like 17 to 19 stolen bases. I think he could clear that by 10 if he got 500 plus plate appearances. So I, I like Siri as a late round high upside player with, but you you do have to understand that he could have a sixty WRC plus and get benched for one of the many cromulent players the Bra- the uh, Rays have. I like that. Yeah, I dig that one a lot. Uh, the only one that I wrote down was uh, John Birdie, uh, going at pick three hundred seven right now. Uh, I just complete memory hole in my brain. I did not know that John Birdie stole forty bases last year. I, I was that calling him John escaped Zul- me. I, I was calling him John Zulberti Mondesi. No, Adel- I, I, it, it was Adelberti John Desi. That was it. There you go. <laughs> That's a really good name. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> yes, it is. it's a stretch, but it is a good name. <laughs> okay. No, he stole uh, over forty. Ba- he had forty-one stolen bases, I think, last year. At yeah, the spr- young age of 32, like, I mean, he's not projected, he's not even projected to be like a full-time starter either this year, but like, there's still value to be had with rostering John Birdie if you know that he's going to be getting a decent amount of playing time in the upcoming week. Like, I mean, those stolen bases are hard to come by and that late in the draft, having someone who has that sort of upside is pretty impressive. Also, the nice thing is too, is that he's got, uh, second and third base eligibility in every single league type. Uh, and then also in addition to that has shortstop and left field on Yahoo. So that's another person that like in your NFBC leagues, you can put them at corner infield and middle infield and second base and third base, much like Max Muncy, like that kind of that same thing. Um, so I, I mean, I love John birdie for that reason too. All right. So that's it for stolen bases. Then let's move to strikeouts. Yancey, who do you like? Post 250 for strikeouts. I don't know if I like him, um, but mm-hmm. it is difficult to find strikeouts that aren't going to absolutely blow up your team this late. Yes. Um, Tyler Malley, a uh, new ballpark. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. Hate to do it to you, buddy. I'm sorry. Dang it. Uh, new ballpark. Uh, there is a little bit of uh, 
uncertainty surrounding his injury, um, you know, how he's recovering. I don't really know where he stands, but I do know that he can strike out a ton. Um, I did, I had a ton of Tyler Malley last year. I did not enjoy that experience watching him, you know, be 4.2 scoreless innings. And then he ends with 4.2 innings pitched and five earned runs. I feel like he did that to me every other start. Um, this is a very, um, explosive type of profile, but I'm just banking on the fact that like, Hey, there is a floor there at the very least, you know, like, Hey, is there a two start week coming up? He could potentially give you 15 strikeouts and two starts. Right. Um, and at an ADP of uh, two sixty four, I think I'm buying that. I'll give you another quick pick real quick. This is actually a reliever. Um, Evan Phillips, his ADP right now is two sixty one. He had like an 11 K per nine last year. He struck out 33% of the batters he faced. This really is kind of like a hedge on the uncertainty that's surrounding the Dodgers bullpen situation. Uh, nobody really knows if it's going to be Daniel Hudson, if it's going to be Evan Phillips or anything like that. But I can tell you if we do get any sort of clarity whatsoever, um, the price that you see for him is going to absolutely explode by over a hundred picks, right? You remember yeah. whenever uh, the White Sox traded uh, what's his face for Craig Kimbrell or they moved Kimbrell out for um, Liam Hendricks or uh, Liam Hendricks for no, um doesn't matter. The outfielder, they did a one for one swap oh, with the Dodgers um, for AJ Pollock. Pollock. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and we just saw Kimbrell, his ADP exploded. You would see something like this because the difference is, is, you know, we're, he's already in the role. He's already familiar with the team and the skill set is there. Um, very quickly, his average forcing fastball velocity since 2018, when he first entered the majors, 94, even then the next year, 94.2 up to 94.6, 95.6. And then last year he finally spiked at 96.1 for his average forcing fastball. Um, this is just a profile that I feel like is ready to explode. And this is the classic, what do you win when you win scenario? If I take him at an ADP of 261, which it is climbing, like I think Sharps are starting to get onto this. If I if I start taking him now at 261 and he's just a really, really good middle reliever who might get me seven or eight wins like he did last year and four or five saves, I'm still happy with that. It doesn't sink my team. However, if it does end up being that he is the full-time closer, um, that is a potential league winner. So I have snapped him up in a bunch of spots. I think it's just a really, really savvy pick. And I hate that I said it on a podcast. Thank you for Sorry, sharing no that with us. Yeah, nobody listens. <laughs> what about you guys? Uh, well, I was going to talk about Tyler Molly too. Um, obviously, the innings are a concern. I'm just going to add on to what you said. He had two 15-day 15 15-day 15 IL stints in 2022, both related to his shoulder. Like you said, we don't we haven't really gotten much of an update. Like I tried to find any news stories on it, if there's any, been any real update on his shoulder. Um even like in a down year last year, though, he had a 97th percentile PLV on his four seamer. So like his four seamer was the best of the best, really, when it comes right down to it. And that's like what his whole repertoire is focused around is that um, both his slider and his cutter were above average in PLV as well. So like he has three plus pitches in theory. Um, and the expected ERA for him last year is 3.49 after giving up a 4-4 uh, officially on the season. Like, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be optimistic about with Molly. Obviously the health has to be there, but I do mm -hmm. like him a lot here. And like, maybe he will, maybe, maybe he won't be the guy who in the short in 2020 season had a 29% K rate, but he might be like the guy from 2021 who had a 27.7% K rate, you know, like yeah. I would be over the moon if I got Tyler Molly at this price and he did that for me. So I'm super happy with that. Uh, also just like, this is just a call out for anyone who might know anything. Why did he stop throwing his curveball? He had a curveball that had like a 36% CSW a few years ago and then just stopped throwing it completely. 
yeah, it is just a call question. out for anyone who might know. Um, if you do know that, just DM DM me at me on Twitter or whatever. Um, but I wish we uh, knew the other people one, who do pitching. Yeah, it's a real <laughs> shame, honestly. Um, maybe I should ask someone. Uh, but also the other person that I wanted to just bring up because I wanted to talk about him again uh, very briefly, Braxton Garrett. It's the same points from the last time I talked about him on the podcast. Those all stand. It's just the obvious thing is that the rotation in Miami is so incredibly crowded that I don't know what his path to playing time looks like. So we will see what happens there. Uh, Schwebzy, do you have any pitchers to add on here for K-Rate? I, I do want to echo that high K pitchers are not easy to come by post 250. So yeah. that's something it, I, I I think that kind of increases the uh, urgency for any of us to uh, to snatch up I strike out pitchers while we can earlier in the draft, just general uh, draft advice. But I, I'm, I'm going to do it again. This the second time I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to talk about Steven Matz. Hey, he was top 30 in baseball in K minus walk rate. Top 30. And, you know, K minus walk rate is one of those things that's like widely accepted as like a, a great, a, a sign of a good pitcher. But, and, uh, Steven Matz is like the only pitcher, I believe, in the Cardinals 120 year history that has uh, underperformed his peripherals as opposed to overperform because they just always have that really strong defense and that good ballpark and their pitchers always seem to overperform per- perform, except for Steven Matz. Steven Matz just always seems to give up too many home runs, always seems to, you know, not strand base runners. But it, it's like it's like that that line for Arrested Development. No, this never works for anybody, but it could for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean that you make a very compelling argument. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move to ERA now. Yants, who do you like for ERA post two fifty? Yeah, uh, ADP three hundred one uh, since January fifteenth. Um, the Rays just threw a bunch of money at him, and I'm betting that they. They see that gap between Zach Eflin uh, is the name I should have said up at the forefront of this. They're betting that they can bring him a little bit more um, in line with what his expected ERA and expected stats were versus what he actually did. Um, I, It's a boring profile. I just feel like at post 300, this is somebody that could potentially be like just manage very, very well and kind of, I don't know, be a great return on investment for the Rays, and then if you're taking him, I, I think people still have that same that stain around him that he's just not very good. He's going to blow up your ratios, and he's injury prone, all those things. And it very well may be true, but like this is where I want to take these shots. Right? Is is pack you know past pick three hundred? So Zach Eflin, I've taken him in a couple of leagues so far that I've done. I am not expecting him to be like this league winner, but you need you you just need safety, and I I feel like the Rays could have done much much worse than Zach Eflin. So I'm I'm hoping to just follow whatever the smart people are doing, and then hope that that pans out for me. The other one, very quickly, um, Aaron Savali. This was really like a tale of like two seasons for him last year. First half ERA, which I understand that ERA is not predictive, and it's a horrible stat, but that's what the question was. His first half ERA was 6.17. His second half was 3.35. He improved his strikeout percentage and his walk percentage in 2022, but had absolutely brutal results. But um, came back, pitched great. The results were there. Um, 
I think that there is a bounce back in like a major way. And I love whenever you have a pitcher where um, their results are kind of obscured by either a really bad half or multiple bad starts. And you can see that it's a pitcher that's kind of figuring things out and returning to form or taking it to another level, but it's not perfectly linear. So it's not like they had an absolutely amazing second half or an amazing first half. And their numbers just kind of look mediocre at the end of the season. But I do think that Zach or um, Zach, please, Zach, ugh, that Aaron Savali um, is, is there's a lot of profit potential here with this. So for an ADP of 318, I think you do much worse. So that's my second pick is um, is Savali at 318. Dope. All right. Schwebzy, how about you? All right. So the I can't believe I'm doing again. I can't believe I'm doing this. Tyler Anderson, who I am currently furious at, not not the player himself, but the the fact that I, I now roster him on a team that Jordan and I co-manage and Jordan, uh, you know, got me to draft Tyler Anderson for $3 and I'm, I'm not happy about it. But then I, then I thought about it. And this was actually uh, thanks to a conversation we were having earlier with uh, our, our, our local pitching guru, Michael Ahedo. And he pointed out how great Tyler Anderson is at contact suppression. And he's got a, fantastic walk rate and you know those are two things that do do a lot of the work towards uh you know giving you a good era and a good whip and you know if if you're looking uh, when you're drafting past 250 again we mentioned as we mentioned repeatedly strikeouts can be uncommon so if you need Mm -hmm. to draft for a ratio arm you could do a lot worse than tyler anderson love that all right uh so i have two actually uh, and it's going to be Alex Wood and Kyle Gibson. So Alex Wood currently going at about 384. Uh, he had above average, above league average PLVs on both his slider and his sinker. And he got really, really unlucky based on his X stats. Like his actual ERA was like 5.10. And his expected ERA was like 3.8 or something like that. Um, he actually added more velo to his fastball, his sinker last year, which was kind of an unexpected for me. He had gone from throwing it about just around like 90.9, like 91-ish uh, when he was with the, I think it was with the Dodgers prior to being with San Francisco, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. And then ticked that all the way up to 91.9 in 2022 or in 2021. And then ni- in 2022, it was 92.4. So something that the Giants have been very good at, including with folks like Alex Cobb, who had, I think it was two miles per hour of ELO once he got to the Giants. So um, doing a ton of great work over there with that pitching staff. Um, I, I I just think that he's better than he showed last year. Uh, I think that he could be like a mid to like, th- like 3.5 to 3.7 ERA guy. Uh, and I do think that his sinker and his slider are both super effective against both lefties and righties. Maybe And his change, I talked to Mikey about this as well. We were hanging out with Michael Ahedo before the podcast. And his changeup used to be a very, very good pitch. And it got worse because it comes in a bit flatter now because he changed his release point. Um, and while I think that's helped his sinker and his slider, it kind of affected his changeup in, in a negative way. Um, so it'd be cool to see him get that back somehow, whether that's a pitch grip change, whatever it might be. Um, but really like Alex Wood, and then Kyle Gibson changed the grip on his slider right near the end of last year. This is a guy who's going pick five thirteen right now, added a ton of sweep to the pitch and the pitch became a lot better. And he's going to an amazing new home ballpark playing at Camden yards. I think this could be like a very stupidly good value 
at pick 513. Like this feels like someone who you could probably effectively stream throughout the season in home matchups, things like that. I would probably do something like that with him. Uh, I really like Kyle Gibson actually coming into this year. This is the type of, um, this is the type of thing. This is why I listen to podcasts because I have such a blind spot for players like this, where if they did change something, um, like I'm not going to catch it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like there's no scenario where like, I would just go out and like willingly, you know, draft him or whatever. But like you said, if, if there's something tangible there that could even hint at a change, and this isn't just like a career, you know, retread, just like throwing innings as an innings eater kind of thing. Like I'll buy into something like that. And, any anytime the ADP starts with a five, like I'm, you know, like a five hundred, not fifty or something, but I'm yeah. in. Like, like I'm in, and it makes me want to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, I think this was a. I can't take credit for like noticing this. I think this was a tweet that was either it was either retweeted by Fast, or Fast tweeted it himself about the change in movement profile on the pitch. So I do have to give him credit or whoever he retweeted credit. Um, but yeah, that definitely the Orioles. Uh, like the Orioles have been doing good things with their pitchers recently too. Yeah. It's been very exciting. I mean, I think one thing specifically is who was it last year? Tyler Wells, the way that they chose to like run him out there and the way they managed his pitch count and things like that throughout the year. Austin and then stretched him out too. a little bit later in the season. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. They're doing a ton of really, really good work with their pitchers as well. Very exciting stuff over there. All right. Uh, so Yancey, you're at the end of the pod. We want to at least give you a chance to talk about some Rays players as well. Uh, are there any fringe Rays players that you think that we should be paying attention to that maybe we haven't touched on on the podcast recently? Um, just very quickly, I'll say I I think that the Rays um, offense, especially, is kind of in a little bit of a, a weird stasis. I don't think that the um, the roster that you guys see right now on like a roster resource or whatever is what they're going to actually break camp with. Yeah. Um, so I expect one or two moves at least to be made. Um, keep an eye on Curtis Mead. Um, his ADP is 627 right now. Um, you know, this is purely a draft and hold spec play. If you're in a 10 or a 12 or even a 15 team league that has fab and you know, you're only drafting, drafting 23 rounds or something, you're not picking him up, but this is a much, much deeper consideration. They just added him to the 40 man in November. He absolutely destroyed double a, he looked the part in 20 games in triple a, um, the projections all barely have him playing this year. Like they see a roster crunch here, but like I said, I expect the roster to just look so much different. Um, so yeah, if you can take a stab at him super, super late, I think that's kind of an interesting profile. I think it kind of, it potentially moves Yandy over to first base who isn't great. And then he would probably play Curtis Mead would play third. Um, the other quick flyer, Jonathan Aranda, he did break, uh, he did get called up last year. I don't think there's a ton of upside there, but I do think there is a path to a lot of playing time. So that's just two interesting names. Um, but Curtis Mead is kind of the favorite. There's some pitching prospects for the Rays, uh, that are getting a little bit of steam as far as uh, drafting goes. And you know, you're seeing them taking super late, but I don't expect any of them to make any meaningful impact uh, for the Rays this year. So for the most part, all the pitching prospects that you see in the Rays organization is a stay away from me. That's funny. Cause the, what I was going to ask next, because the the Rays rotation actually is is surprisingly locked down for the Rays. Yep. Uh, I was between, and I'm looking at like the next man up, the the next men up. There's Patino, uh, Yanni Chirinos, Josh Fleming, Taj Bradley. Do you think any of these guys gets like significant innings this year? Uh, Fleming, maybe they keep going back to that experiment for some reason. I think they view him as like, um, like him and, uh, 
uh, Ryan Yarbrough are kind of like the same archetype where like they don't really strike people out. They're ground ball pitchers, which I, I know we all universally expect ground ball pitchers to kind of take a little bit of a step back this year just because of the rule changes. Um, Taj Bradley, again, he's another, he was actually who I was kind of referencing uh, indirectly about like prospects who are getting taken in some of these leagues. If he does get any run this year, it's going to be at the very end of the season. I think it's going to be short stints. Like you may get 15 innings out of him. Um, so um, I, I, I don't, I, I, it's such a stay away from these guys because their ceiling is always capped. And you guys know this universally across the board for fantasy, like the best players on the raise, they're, they're going to be platooned and they're going to be babied with their innings. Um, it's just a stay away for me. I, I like the raise for a lot of reasons, but me too. And I, you know this, but they're so <laughs> infuriating for a lot for other reasons. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, uh, let's not get into like politics or anything, but like, oh, not yeah, even they, that. They, I'm just talking they about the, the way whole... they deploy their players. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about like them rewarding, like with uh, contract extensions, like a bunch of people who like, like did heinous things during like Pride Night and stuff. But um, no, no, say, I'm we'll just say that for another about... podcast. For fantasy purposes, like, well, the platoons, the openers, all that stuff. Yeah. Makes yeah, it harder we'll, we'll to say, uh, we'll gauge fantasy value. We'll save that for when Nick actually greenlights the uh, picture list after it's dark podcast <laughs> that we've always been talking about doing. I love it. Which you know, we Schwebzy and I will be vying for as the one that we get to run as well. So, uh, I know this upset me. Yancey, were you, were you upset to not be involved in the first curse ever dropped in PitchCon? It was up. It was unsettling. <laughs> yeah. it, I, love, I love that that's the word you used to describe it. <laughs> unsettling is what it was. Yeah, deeply unsettling. But hey, you know, whatever. It's cool. But you I know. also love that it was Janice that uh, was the one to do it. Proud of her. So proud. So great. So great. Uh, okay, so Yancey, we always like to do, whenever we have guests on, some non-baseball talk. We're mm-hmm. going to cap the episode with that. We haven't had you on the show since last year. So we want to know, because you're a big music guy, what was your album of the year for 2022? And what is the best album that you've listened to so far this year? Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll give you my top 20. Um, at 20, <gasps> it's... I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys both... I was excited! <laughs> blessed hashtag blessed um i'll I'll give you three very very quickly um because they're super super different my favorite jazz album last year was by makai craven um it's called in these times it's like jazz fusion it's chamber jazz it's avant-garde um he is a phenomenal drummer and composer and i i actually think you guys would dig it because um anytime i show jazz to people um most of the time they just tell me it it feels like um like hotel lobby music or something and they don't like it but whenever you show them a little bit more kind of like modern jazz fusion stuff like most of the time people will dig it so um in these times by micaiah craven mick craven um is the album my favorite death metal album last year uh was an abstract illusion by the band woe w-o-e uh again absolutely not for everybody but very much for me so if that's you know you guys' thing check that out and my number one album of 2022 all genres. It was the one I have this like role where um, sometimes I, I, I don't want to get too like artsy with these things and, and, and feel like I'm super pretentious. Like I have a rule, like if you're going to really talk about an album, say it was the best or your favorite or whatever, you had to have really listened to it a lot. And this was the album that I played the most last year. Um, it's called Recordings from the Aland Islands, A-L-A-N-D. Uh, it's uh, two people worked on it. It's Jeremiah Chu, C-H-I-U, and Marta Sophia Honer. This is uh, this is ambient. This is field recordings. 
It is like electroacoustic music. It's modern classical. Think like sound collages and stuff. I promise you, um, it again, this is another classic, not for everybody, but very much for me. This will take you deep into like the recesses of your mind. Like this is like, I'm going to go for a walk and listen to this, or I am going to try to vibe while I'm doing a bunch of like super intensive work. Um, it is absolutely beautiful music, lots of nature scapes. Again, not the type of thing that people automatically reach for, but it was absolutely my favorite album of 2022. And I played the hell out of it. Um, I can give you guys very quickly my favorite album so far. Uh, it's another technical death metal album from this year. Um, it's called Anachronism. Um, that The band is absolutely fantastic. They only have a couple of LPs out. The album is called Meanders. Um, really cool album cover. Um, I gravitate towards uh, death metal just because the drumming is obviously fantastic. And you guys know this. I'm a drummer. Um, very difficult for me to recommend these albums to people. But you guys brought me on here to be myself. So I'm going to recommend it. If you guys like um, very dissonant, dense, heavy music that is very, very technically proficient, this is for you. But it's also, you know, it is an homage to all of the genres of, of metal from years past, but it is also pushing it into new directions, which is something that I enjoy. Um, so give it, a, give it a look. It's Meanders by the band Anachronism. Dissonant and dense is like two words that my parents use to just to describe me. So like that sounds like a perfect album for me. Wow. Honestly. Yeah, it's right up here. <laughs> it's right up here. There you go. No, it sounds cool. great. Okay. I need to actually I need you to send me the link to the soundscapes one right yep, after the recording because that is going to Im immediately enter into my regular rotation because I need like writing music. I love it. Yes, it feels I like that it. would be perfect. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you for giving me the platform to talk about music. You guys know this every single time I'm ever invited onto something. I'm just the vain kid meme, just like hoping somebody will ask me about an album that I get to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have you guys have fulfilled that that need for me. So thank you. You're, you're the you're the the uh, the photo. It's the meme of the guy standing in the corner at the party saying they don't know that I'm a drummer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Yancy, thank you so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. If you would like, do you want to drop your social media handle on Twitter uh, at all? Nope, don't care. Um, just, <laughs> just I, I actually don't care. Um, half the time, Twitter doesn't work anymore. Uh, I don't know what's going on over there. It is, it, it is. A, yesterday, I couldn't even send like a DM or follow or unfollow people. Who knows how long the site's going to be there? Um, just a shout out to my wife. Um, she's laying next to me in a thong looking cute oh my sipping God. a glass of wine she's ready for attention and i am ready to give it to her so guys <laughs> it has been a pleasure as always you uh, guys are very very dear friends of ours we both love you so much thank you for having me we love and you also both i want to so say much. what what idiot decided to make the logo pl with the number eight and not plviii so it would it would be roman numerals for eight but also have plv in it can we talk that's, about that? That's, you know? that's, that, that's, that's a Nick question. There was a lot of people that wanted to be like PLA, like home plate. No, that, no, that's and stuff that's like that. Cutesy. And like there, there, there's many things going on in, in that regard. My mind uh, is blown. Yes. But I do, I do like that one. Yancy. Uh, Nick should hire you. You should, you should work for Nick. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, have you considered producing content for fantasy baseball? I'm good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Yancy. We appreciate it. We love you and Malika so, 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 so much. Uh, and that's going to yep. be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. We appreciate you all listening. Thank you so much. If you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, on the 
the broken website, you can follow us at in the deep PL. You can also follow us individually at Schwebzy for Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I. And you can follow myself at Bunt Singles. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Yancey, send them out. What do I say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to steal anybody's. I don't want to steal anybody's stuff. Do it. Do it. Do the thing. Hit him with it. Bye, friends. <laughs>